Welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. This week, we are starting a brand new series titled Legacy. Whether you realize it or not, your life has a profound impact on those around you. We can use our uniquely created talents, abilities, and gifts to make a difference in our world. Is it possible God wants to use you in a special way to change your world for good? Listen this week as Pastor Josh Rhodes kicks off Legacy. We hope that this talk encourages you and inspires you as you grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, good morning. If you're new with us today, my name is Josh Rhodes, and I'm the pastor of ministries. Great to be together. Uh, Before we get into the message, I want to take a moment just to pray for those who've been devastated by the massive earthquake in Syria and Turkey. And I even wonder in a church of our size if perhaps any of you have been personally affected from that. Uh, We looked last week at Romans chapter 12 that says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And we know uh, that among the 28,000 or so whose lives have been lost, that they're most certainly believers as well, who are brothers and sisters. Um, So I want to take a moment to pray. I also just want to mention that we have a ministry partner, Samaritan's Purse, that the church has already given to through our missions budget. But if you'd be inclined to give towards those types of relief efforts, Samaritan's Purse would be a great one as well. Let's take a moment and pray. Well, Father, thank you that we can... Lift your name today. Thank you that you are the way maker, that you are the one who is near to the brokenhearted. We know that this world is not what you designed. You designed a world free of sin, free of death, free of earthquake, free of hardship. But it was sin, God, that introduced these things. We pray right now for the thousands and thousands of people who have lost friends and loved ones. Father, we lift them to you. In the name of Jesus, we we pray that you would come close through Holy Spirit's power to give them comfort and peace. We also pray for our brothers and sisters who are on the ground right now, loving and serving, even searching for for remaining individuals, God, who may be still alive beneath the rubble. We pray that you would empower them to serve and to really make a difference. Father, we long for the day when sin and death are no more. So now as we come to your word, we just pray that you would open our, our, our eyes and our ears to hear your truth so that we may apply it to our lives and become more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, it was a crisp fall day in 1992, and I was nine years old. I remember hopping on my bicycle, my brothers, some neighbor friends as well, and we rode down the front hill at our house where we had carved a a path from riding that same spot every day, rode down the front yard, up the street, and then we were on our way. And there were several places that we passed getting where we were going on that particular afternoon. We passed Giovanni's Pizza Shop that made an excellent square slice of pizza, and they had a pinball machine that we'd bring quarters for. We'd go a little further and we'd pass Farm Fresh convenience store where we'd get 50 cent can of pop. And yes, it is called pop. I just want to go on record. Thank you. Uh, A little further still was Plaza Theater that would show one movie at a time. Around the corner was the pawn shop where we'd get video games and baseball cards. And then we arrived at our destination that day. And I remember, like all kids, you hop off your bike and drop it on the side of the building. And right as we were doing that, I looked up to the giant Dairy Queen sign 
And the marquee letters said, Happy Birthday, Pastor Rhodes, in black. Right beneath that, in red, bright letters, said 40. And I can, to this day, remember thinking, my dad is famous. Quickly followed by, my dad is getting so old. (laughs) Now, as a nine-year-old, dad turning 40 did seem old. But as I approach turning 40 this June, it doesn't seem so old anymore at all. And if you're at the 40 mark or beyond it, I don't know what it was like for you. I don't suspect I'm going to have any trouble turning 40. Have health, have a great family. God's been so good to me. Here we go, another year. But maybe I'll feel different once I get closer to it. But I will tell you what it has done for me. And this, is, this has been the last few months, the closer I get to this key mile marker, I've become far more reflective on my life. Am I living a life that really is making a difference? Is there anything in my life that needs to change? You know, and it dawned on me that if God in his grace would give me 40 more years, if he would, if, if he would give me the opportunity to get to 80, then I'm at the halftime. You know, tonight when this message is being given is uh, Super Bowl, halftime. I mean, this is my halftime. And I don't know what mile marker you're at. Uh, there may be some in the room or watching who are 10. That's a big one. Maybe 12, 16, 21, 30, maybe 50, 60, 70, 80, or even 90. And I think these mile markers are opportunities for us to really evaluate Are my goals, priorities, dreams, daily decisions, are these things lining up with what God says will lead to a life of significance? The way that we're living our lives day in and day out, is it going to lead to a legacy that God says we should pursue? Today we're beginning this new four-week series. I'm so excited. I think regardless of your age, stage, background, whether your work is paid or unpaid, wherever you are in life, I think this series is going to give you hope because we're going to discover that through something really simple but challenging can lead all of us to live lives of significance. It's through serving is through serving like Jesus did. Now, when you hear the word legacy, I don't know what comes to mind for you. I asked a few different people this week, you know, when you hear legacy, what do you think of? Got a bunch of different answers, but I've always loved sports, played basketball, obviously Super Bowl tonight. So on one hand, when I think about legacy, I think about coaches and players who've just accomplished a lot. Points or championships this past week, LeBron James, and LeBron fans in the house, all right. Broke the scoring record, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record, over 38,000 points. He broke it on Tuesday night. A big part of LeBron's legacy will be the all-time scoring leader, and he's going to keep going. It's going to keep getting bigger. That's a part of his legacy. But there's other types of legacy. Oxford Oxford Dictionary gives us a few. Legacy could be money or property that's given to you by someone when they die. It could also be a situation that exists now because of events, actions, etc., that took place in the past. 
And it could also be something, it could also be something that somebody has done successfully and that has positive effects even after they retire or die. And this, this very personal one, our personal legacy, this is what we're going to be talking about. And, and though it's challenging, I find it inspiring to, to think about how I can live a life that after I retire, that after I die, that, that, that my grandchildren can look to and say, he had a legacy worth following. And I think why we have to pay attention to this, because I'm, I'm a person too. I mean, yeah, I work at a church and yeah, I'm a pastor, but we have forces all around us that are trying to tell us what a real legacy should look like or what a, what a legacy that would really be desired. And it usually goes something like this. If it's sports, it's score the most points, win the most championships. If you're a student right now, it's get the best grades, hustle so you can get to the best college or grad school. After that, it's work hard, land the dream job, and climb till you get to the top. Make sure you live in the most prestigious neighborhood, drive the nicest cars so that you can keep earning, 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 retire, be comfortable, and leave a bunch of money people to when leave a bunch of money to people when you die. That is normally the script. It's normally the script that we're told to follow. And, and here's the thing: the Lord has blessed our family with a nice home that we enjoy. And we have reliable vehicles, and it is certainly wise to invest and prepare for retirement. All of those things in and of, those, in and of themselves are not bad. In fact, I know, I mean, I'm looking at a number of you right now that I know personally who God has gifted with skills and abilities, and you're using them, and you're growing, and you're developing, and that's awesome. But I think the question we have to ask is, Why? Why did we want to work so hard in school? Why do we want a home that's big enough maybe for others? Why, why am I maybe putting money away? What is the purpose? What is the goal? Where does all of this lead to? So when I consider this word legacy, I think we just have to ask ourselves, what will lead to a God-honoring, lasting legacy? I would say that it comes from taking steps to become more and more like Jesus Christ. He lived it perfectly. And there are so many attributes that we can look to in the life of Christ, in his teaching, in his example, but there is one that rises to the top. It is all throughout the New Testament, and that is his heart to serve. So if we, if we will leave a Christ-like legacy when we serve others like Christ did. And I was intentional to use the word will, because I believe if we serve others like Christ did, day after day, month after month, year after year, we will leave a Christ-like legacy. And that we have many wonderful examples to look up to. I know for me personally, my mom's here. Hi, mom. She surprised me today. I can look, at, I can look to my mother. I can look up to my father, to grandparents who have, who have passed um, I'm so blessed on a daily basis to be able to look up to Pastor Tim as a servant. So many people in my life who I can look to as a servant who puts others first. And perhaps you do as well. But I just want to remind us today that there is only one person who did it perfectly day in and day out, and it's Jesus Christ. He did it in his teachings. He did it in his actions. 
And even though we know that's the goal to become like Christ and to be servants, I struggle with this. I do. I wish I could tell you that I hop up every day so excited to help get the kids ready for school and drive them to school. I wish I could tell you that the thing I look forward to most is helping to get dinner ready and then homework and making sure that the lunches are packed and then preparing a bath for my wife so I can clean up the house. I wish I could tell you that's who I was every day, but I'm not. The Bible says even as believers, we have a flesh that wars against us, and that flesh will cause us to be self-centered, selfish, to put ourselves first, and we want to ask God to break us from that. And it's not just us today. Like, I think it would be so easy to just blame social media, individualism, consumerism, like all of these forces around us, and I think that perhaps does make it more challenging. But the reality is, is people have struggled with this from the beginning. The people who followed Jesus literally followed Jesus and watched him and saw him. They struggled with it too. We're going to see an example of that from Matthew chapter 20, one of my favorite passages of scripture. We're going to see even though they knew what Jesus taught, even though they saw Jesus' example, they still struggled with it. And this, this passage, Matthew 20, 20 to 28, where it's positioned in the, in the book of Matthew is really important because this comes near the end. This wasn't the first time that Jesus was teaching them to put others first. In fact, 20, 17 to 19 is the third time that Jesus would predict his death and resurrection. And then 20, chapter 21 is whenever Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the donkey, Palm Sunday, and he would go to the cross just a few days later. So this is near the end. And he had been spending three years investing, preparing, ensuring that they got it because he was staking the whole mission on those 12 disciples. So I want to read the whole passage and then we're going to work back through it. And there's so much here for us to learn. So it says this, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons. She knelt down to ask him for something. What do you want? He asked her. Promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right, the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered, You don't know what you're asking are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? We are able, they said to him. He told them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it belongs to those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the, 12, when the 10 disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles dominate you. And the men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Man, there's so much here that we're going to learn. And I, and I first of all just want to point out, who, who are they talking about? The mother of these two sons, sons of Zebedee. Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus began to call his disciples, he called 
Simon Peter, and he called Andrew, those brothers, and then he called James and John. It says they were in their fishing boat with Zebedee, their father. Actually says they were mending their nets when Jesus called them. So they left Zebedee, they left that profession, and they began to follow Jesus. And James and John's mother, I, I would suspect, would have had a close relationship with Jesus. You know, three years in, you know, her sons were of the twelve. And I would think by three years in, they're all cluing in like this is a really big deal. So she would have had a relationship with them. And what she was essentially asking, if it were maybe American politics, was Jesus, will you please allow my sons to be vice president? She was trying to position them for these grand positions of leadership. And we don't know exactly what her motives were. And I think it would be easy for us to judge their mom who appears to be sort of jockeying for a position. And, I, and again, I don't want to skip over this because if you're sitting here thinking like Josh, like I'm already convicted, like I don't want to put others first, I'm not a servant. Well, again, the people who saw it with their own eyes and heard Jesus teach it, they struggled too to want to be first. So how does Jesus respond says, but Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? We are able, they said to them. He told them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it belongs to those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. So he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they say, I sure am. So what's Jesus talking about here? Many of you know that the, the imagery, or the metaphor of a cup is found throughout the pages of the Bible. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It talks about my cup that runneth over. That's a cup of blessing that God pours out on your life. But we also see cups of judgment, cups of wrath in places like Jeremiah 25, Isaiah 51. So when Jesus says, the cup that I'm about to drink are you sure about that? Are you sure that you want to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And what he was talking about was the cup of death, his death on a Roman cross, which is why Matthew 26, a few chapters later in the garden, we see Jesus praying for the third time, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but what? But as you will so Jesus told him, you are going to drink the same cup that I'm about to drink, which was death. And if you skip ahead to Acts chapter 12, you see that King Herod had James killed by the sword. And then John was exiled to Patmos. And the other 10 disciples, church history would tell us, were all martyred for their faith as well. So as, as the, the mother of James and John go to Jesus, you would think, you know, as the other disciples are hearing this, like, what is she doing? And, and that's exactly what they were kind of leaning in. So verse 24, when the 10 disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. So they're all kind of leaning in. You know, she's kneeling with reverence and respect this whole moment. Now, why were the 10 disciples indignant? Was it because they were like, James and John just want to be first? Like, didn't you learn anything the last three years? Come on, guys. 
This is about serving others. This is about putting others first. Like, is that why they were indignant? No. My study Bible makes this note. The other disciples were upset with James and John for trying to grab the top two positions. All the disciples wanted to be the greatest. Matthew 18 is another example, but Jesus taught them that the greatest person in God's kingdom is the servant of all. It wasn't just the mom and the, and the, the brothers. It was all of them. And Jesus was saying, I didn't come to be powerful. I didn't come to overthrow the oppressive Roman government. He was not like the worldly leaders. He was going to do it God's way. So Matthew 25, 25 to 26, but Jesus called them over. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles dominate them and the men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. He said, people who crave power and prestige for that alone will use it to dominate, not bless. People who live their lives for themselves, they are the means to the end, will only lead to their destruction. You can hear the heart of Christ pleading with them, don't be like that. Don't be like every other example you see. Be like me. So he says, in the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Now that would have been very rich in their culture. Wealthy families would have had servants to do different things. He's saying, become like a servant. If you want a Christ-like legacy that lasts, don't be power hungry, oppressive, selfish, be a servant. Now it's an interesting word, that servant in the original language, and it's pronounced diakonos, diakonos. And that is the word where we get deacon from in the New Testament. So deacons were those appointed to serve, meet needs of the widows and so forth. And it can mean a servant of a king, an attendant, a waiter, one who serves food and drink. So our best modern analogy would be a restaurant server. Quick show of hands, home and online. You were a server, a waiter, a waitress, a busboy. Come on, show them to me. Yeah, that's what's up. All right, so in college, one of my jobs was a server for a banquet company. And to this day, I can remember getting dressed. Shiny black shoes, black slacks, button-down white shirt with those little tux buttons that took forever to get in, a little tie. And then how did you finish it off? With your black thing that you would tie to keep your pen, to keep your notebook, right? I was a server. Serve is literally in the word server. And when I would go to these banquets, if it was a wedding or if it was a, a big leadership conference that there were meals, I didn't go dressed up like that to say, I'm here, where's the front? I'm here to speak. I didn't walk in thinking, why isn't anyone serving me? I was the server. That was my job, to go get the tray of food and, and carefully set it before the guests, take drink orders, bring back the drinks, just sort of attentively wait from a distance. Oh, their tea looks like about half full. You know what I mean? I was a server. That's who I was. It was my job. I was pretty good at it too. That's another story. But that's a server, a denakonos. And what Jesus is saying, put on that apron. 
Put on that server's outfit wherever you go. And, and when I think about this, I think about servant leadership, which maybe you've seen that even in school or business or work, you know, what it means to be a servant leader. There's a guy named Robert Greenleaf. He lived from 1904 to 1990, and he founded the Greenleaf Center of Servant Leadership. It's actually located at Seton Hall in New Jersey. And basically what he did is he just grew weary of all of the power-hungry, self-centered, authoritarian leaders, and he said there's got to be a different way. So he conducted a massive study and basically determined that the ones who were the most fruitful, the ones who were most joyful, the ones whose employees were most satisfied and motivated were led by servant leaders. And in his book, The Servant as a Leader, he wrote this. I love this. The servant leader is a servant first. Becoming a servant leader begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. So if you want to serve, if you want to lead, if you want to, if you want to be first, if you want to make a difference, it's going to require us to be servants, to put on those shoes, to put on those slacks, to be prepared to say, what else can I do for you? Can I refill your drink? That's the heart of a server. And again, we have so many wonderful examples, and I'm, I feel so blessed to be able to see it in them and see it in her. But our greatest example ever known to mankind is Jesus. Who fed the hungry? Who healed the sick? Who pulled close the outcast? It was Jesus. Who the night before he would go to the cross, when he was preparing to drink the hardest cup that anyone could ever drink, he put on the servant's towel, got on his knees, and washed his disciples' feet. He is our example, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the servant leader, Jesus Christ. So he told them, on the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. King of kings and Lord of lords left the glory of heaven. And I just imagine that he removed his robe and he removed his crown and he came to us and he wrapped himself with a towel and he placed a crown of thorns upon his head and became the servant of all. This is who Jesus is, like a king who is seated on the throne with attendants and world leaders and family all gathered around ready to serve the king, our king. Our king didn't sit on the throne waiting to be served. He took off his crown, he took off his robe, and he came down and said, can I get you another drink? Can I meet another need? And then ultimately, he served us in the greatest way. He gave his life for us. We will leave a Christ-like legacy when we serve others like Christ did. That's how it will come. We will leave a Christ-like legacy when we serve just the next person and the next person and the next person like Christ did. So how can we apply this today? A couple of thoughts. First, we just want to recognize that we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
When we place our faith in Christ, we are empowered. And this is the kind of empowerment that we need because we can't do it on our own strength. So I encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Christ, do that today. In fact, you can even go to the ridge.church slash relationship. And we have a special webpage that has the, the, the gospel scriptures, a prayer you can pray, even a, even a way you can tell us that you place your faith in Christ. That's the starting point. Always the starting point is you have that relationship with faith through faith in Christ. Now, if you do, I want to give you a simple but challenging challenge. I want to encourage you to serve someone for the next seven days. So if you're hearing it live right now, today's Sunday, Sunday to Saturday, all right, seven days. If you're hearing this on Wednesday on a podcast, Wednesday to Tuesday, all right, maybe today you're going to make dinner for your family. Check. Maybe Monday is when your neighborhood has trash day. You pull back their can. Check. Tuesday, if you get to work and someone's approaching the door and you open the door for them, check. Wednesday, if you send a text of encouragement to someone from their church, simple, simple, but it makes the difference. If you miss a day, don't worry about it. The heart is to serve. And if you think about LeBron or you think about other athletes who have these records, how did he get his scoring title? It wasn't in one day, it wasn't in one game, it wasn't in one season, it was the last 20 years of just scoring the next point. Friends, this is how our legacy is built, one selfless act at a time. One selfless act of service at a time to our family, to a neighbor, to a friend, to a loved one, to a coworker. It's not glamorous. It's, it's not going to win you a trophy or a promotion. But it's going to show them that they matter and that they were worthy of being served, that they were seen. So it'll make a difference in their life. It could be the very thing that shows them the way to Jesus. And even if no one appreciates it or sees it, God does and he does. You know, when I think about... Um, this whole subject, I think about something that happened in my car on Friday and mentioned my dad's a pastor. And part of being a pastor's kid is hearing sermons before they're preached. Heard a lot of my dad's sermons in the car. Josh, I'm thinking about sharing this story. What do you think? So it was Friday this, this week, driving my kids to school. It's 20 minutes. And I said, hey guys, do you mind if I share what I'd like to share on Sunday? Sure, dad, you know. And I just share my heart as I'm driving down the road and I, I, I share, you know, guys, ultimately, we want to become like Jesus. And the way that we can become like Jesus is by serving others, serving others every day and putting others first and just looking for opportunities. And I'm, I'm pouring out my heart in my little Civic with my kids driving down the road. And when I finally kind of got done with my impassioned mini-sermon to my kids, I just thought to ask the question. I said, who does that sound like to you? Do you want to know what they said? Mom, <sighs> come on. And I thought to myself, Shh, they're right. My wife is a servant every day, every person, <laughs> faithfully putting others before her in ways that are not going to be seen or celebrated by the world. So we're driving along and I'm like, okay, well, Okay, I'll give them that. Who else do you see these things in, guys? Nana, nanny, grandparents, man. 
who else do you see this in, Rachel, our neighbor? I think I, I think I was number seven, all right? They eventually got there. But I thought, boy, they get it. At these young ages, when they think about what matters and who do I want to look up to, they're looking up to some great people. Their mom, their grandparents, their neighbors. But ultimately, I want them to look up to Jesus. He's the servant. He's the one who took off his crown and he took off his robe and he put on a towel and he put on a crown of thorns. He is our example. Let me pray for us today. God, thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, into the world. Thank you that we don't have to wonder what does it look like to live a life that matters We simply need to look at your son. If there was anyone who deserved to be served, if there was anyone who deserved to be waited on hand and foot, it was him, the king and king and lord of lords. But he fed the hungry and he healed the sick and he included the outcast and he washed the feet and he stretched out his arms wide to die. God, today I acknowledge that I can be selfish and treat myself as the most important person in the room. But may we look to the example of Jesus who put us first. Give us the strength, the desire, and the power to do that as well. It's in your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.